0: quick language warning here. Sometimes Alice and I, we have potty mouths and we're working on that. So this is probably best for grown-up listening only.
1: This is Body Shock, a podcast by two newbie parents, me, Alice Fenton, and my co-host, Shannon O'Mara. We separate fact from fiction about what having kids does to your body and mind and what you can do about it. Hello and welcome to Body Shock. How are you going, Shan? I'm good, Alice. How are you doing? I'm pretty good. I'm really excited to talk about libido today because it is a huge issue for a lot of people in the first year of having kids.
0: Yeah, it is. So I'm pretty pumped about this episode, Alice, I've got to say. Sexologist Pamela Supple, great name. Great name, Supple. Pamela Supple, we sat down with Pamela in a courtyard cafe one gorgeous sunny morning and we had a long, detailed chat about sexual health, libido, desire, all of it, and specifically what that means in that sort of first year after you have a kid and
1: and what you can do,
0: tips and things. Unfortunately, though, there was a hashtag fail with this one, wasn't there?
1: Yeah, there was. We buggered up the audio a little bit, I'm afraid. the very first thing we were told in our radio training was not to record any interviews in a cafe. And what do we do? We went and recorded an interview in a cafe. So huge apologies to our producers, Leah and Tim as well. Um, you guys are going to hear some glasses clinking, a couple of background noises, um, people enjoying their morning coffees. But it's not so bad. And what Pamela had to say was just so good that we decided we needed to keep the audio So the reason this is a topic that we think is worth delving into in this series is that a lot of couples experience what you might refer to as flatmate syndrome after they have kids, particularly in the first couple of years. Yeah, you're you're functioning together,
0: you're you're getting stuff done. You're almost colleagues. Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, it's And sometimes really, they're shitty colleagues.
0: Yeah, annoy, annoying flatmates, annoying colleagues. Sometimes you have a great day, though, with
1: a colleague. Yeah, and think, Geez, really you're actually, helpful. You're good at your job. Yeah, you're good. You, you, you've done I don't really have sex job. with you, but no. you're good at your job.
0: <laughs> That's right. <laughs> but sex is a, is a very important part of a relationship. But how important is it after we have kids?
1: Apparently more so, according to Pamela. For me... This last year since I've had a baby I pretty much did not give a shit about getting it on. How about you? Yeah, no. No, I
0: just I think there was there's a fair there's a fair bit of going on in your first year, you know? I wouldn't say that it was a major priority. It wasn't in the top kind of three things that were happening in in my life this year. Now Pamela explained this distinction between desire and libido during the interview and, and I think it's really important and I felt that you you have a good sort of grasp on exactly what she meant.
1: Can you, <laughs> can, you can you tell me? I'll us explain about- it. Yeah, okay. So libido is the actual physical sensation of wanting to have sex like at that moment. Whereas desire is the more removed, kind of abstract thought, I like this person. I wanna have sex with them, generally. Not right now. But overall, they're a person I would be keen to have sex with. And the advice she's giving today is primarily about how to build libido if that's if you're not having that much sex, uh, because that is actually something that's kind of not that difficult to do if the desire is already present. Deeper issues arise if you don't have that desire to begin with, and she does offer some pointers for that, but to a degree that's kind of out of the scope of this particular episode. Here's what Pamela had to say.
2: Sometimes, and especially if children are in the picture and you're sitting there, as sex therapists now, we're we're seeing that just because you're not feeling, and we've got to let people understand that because you're not horny, the idea or the desire is there. Well, if I cuddle with my partner and we lead to more intimacy and we're connecting and everything, I'm and I'm relaxing and I'm not worrying about doing the washing or letting that go for half an hour or an hour, with yourself or with a partner, connect in giving each other what I call sensate touch, it's not massage per se, it's not like remedial massage going in and (laughs) digging the muscles out, although that could be nice, but um, we're talking about just hands over our body, or even by yourself, and then touching yourself, touching your partner, and orgasms are fantastic, but it's the lead up, it's the connection that hopefully people get to bond, and that's the bonding then you might, you you will be able to relax and drop into that and think, I'm enjoying being with you. I love you. And, yeah, you'd still do it for me. And, yeah, I love having sex with you.
0: I I absolutely love how at the end of that, Alice, you can hear us giggling
1: with the, yep, you still do it for me. We're very mature and professional. Um, Do you schedule sex, Shen? That's
0: a really interesting question, Alice. I I certainly tried to. We tried to, (laughs) my partner and I, but um, I'm not great with calendar management as a general theme or thing. So uh, it failed. It didn't work.
1: And yeah, tried, failed, didn't work, gave up on it pretty much. What about you? Nah, no, I'm against it. We did give it a go briefly too, just because, you know, that's supposedly the thing busy people in their 30s do. But it was a total failure. I can't handle being told what to do, when, even by my own calendar, and I got weird and rebellious about it, and just didn't particularly didn't want to have sex on those days. Uh, but it turns out I'm quite normal in that, as Pam says
2: in this next little grab. See, sometimes too, people think, okay, now we've got to make a date night. What happens if I don't feel like sex on that night? Mm. Which is really, it can happen. And you're feeling the anticipation from either partner, right? This can be male or female. Of, oh my God, when we get home, they're going to want sex. It's the last thing I feel like doing. I'm so full. (laughs) I just want to go home and put on my my comfy clothes and watch a bit of Netflix. (laughs) And then the partner then is being let down because it's our date night. And we assume, which is not a good thing to assume, that sex is going to be part of the date night. It's to connect, to be the lovers and the relationship that you are, not the parents. The two people that you are when you first met, that hasn't changed. Yes, you're getting a bit older and all of this sort of thing, and but the two people that you've met innately, your personalities and everything, that's the person you fell in love with. I think everyone can relate to the Netflix
0: and hanging out on the couch and just chilling after a big busy day with the baby. Um, but I also, I, the romantic in me really loved Pamela's reminder about rediscovering hmm. the person you fell in love with. And best of all, there's now no pressure to schedule sex, everyone. <laughs> woo No more scheduled sex. But I get it. I totally get why people do it and I get why you suddenly think, you know, time starts to slip away. You know, suddenly thinking, "Geez, when was the last time?"
1: Yeah, and she did go on to say later on that for some people, it's literally the only way you're ever going to have an opportunity to have sex because you're just so busy. When you get a couple of kids in the mix, you're both working. If you're not scheduling it, how's it going to happen? Because any time that you're not working or parenting, you're sleeping. Uh, yeah. So for some people, it it totally works. No judgments there at all. It's not for yeah. me. Yeah, not me, for me, me
0: now prior to us meeting up with Pamela, um, I emailed a bunch of girlfriends because I told them I was meeting up with a sexologist, and I sort of said to them, "You know, throw me some questions. This is like free sex therapy." An old friend asked the question, "Should we just say yes to sex for the sake of Ooh. it?" And you know pop it on the to-do list, tick the box and it's done, get it and, out of the way.. Yeah. This is
2: what Pamela had to say about that. Sometimes that might build resentment. Because if you're feeling that your husband or your partner is hankering for it, it can be the opposite because it can actually, you can push yourself away because you know that they're wanting it and you're not in the mood and so you're sort of distancing and they're coming after you, which, which creates that circle. They're chasing you, well, not chasing you, literally, but you're feeling it. You know what I'm saying? So, and then you're going, oh, no, no, I've got, oh, look, I'll just have sex. And then when you just have sex, it can be the type of sex that your partner might think, well, they're just doing it for me to make me feel better or just because they feel, oh, it's supposed to be. Now, when a partner starts to feel that, that can be very hurtful for the partner. You would like to have some connection instead of just sort of lying there and going through the motions and thinking, okay, well, that's done.
1: Yeah, well, no-one's walking away from that sort of a sexual experience glowing, feeling great, like we've just had such a beautiful connection, are they? But no, you no,
0: you're not. But I, I get it as well. Like, I get the kind of thing of, oh, well, we the should, the should factor of, well, we should probably have sex. It's
1: been a while. I yeah. should just have and sex. and there's always the thought that if you just get into it, then you'll get turned on and it might be great. Exactly. But, yeah, according to Pamela... Uh, probably avoid that one because, as she says, you know, it can build resentment. Um, so I also asked some friends for their questions, thoughts, etc. before we met with Pamela. And one of the more interesting replies I got was about how one of my friends had experienced just a total shift post-baby in terms of what turns her on and gets her off. Like, her body just felt different. She wanted different things in the bedroom, which I found really interesting. So I asked Pamela about whether
2: this was common. We change. Life is change. Why shouldn't our sex and desires and what we like change? And as we become a little bit older, maybe too, the fact that um, we're a bit more open to exploring and experimenting and reading about what we like. And we I'm a big one for pleasure. Getting in touch with our bodies personally to find out what pleasures you. Mm. What might have pleasured you in your 20s and 30s or, or any age, right? So we can change. You still might enjoy that, but it's the type of sex that you're having now. It might be like really slow, sleepy sex. It might be really connective sex. It might be that, you know, once before my breasts were so, such an erogenous zone, but now I've had children.
0: Pamela is very Pro-pleasure, Alice. Mm. Very pro-pleasure. She's also um, a fan of erotic fiction. Who's not? Yes. And, you know, at times with our conversation with Pamela, I was totally drinking the... Kool Aid, you oh, know, yeah. and I was just sort of into everything she was saying, and you know, at times I was thinking she was looking at me, going, "You're a sexually frustrated woman." <laughs> but
1: every question, I was like, "My friend asked this." I could see her <laughs> looking at me like, "Your friend, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, sure, right?
0: Sure, it's your
1: friend." But she had great advice. Like I actually personally found it really helpful, and went home going, "I could communicate better. I could do a lot of things to make my sex life a little bit juicier in these early days." But there was something that you weren't particularly into.
0: No, no, the, the 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 no, no. The idea of Pamela's next suggestion I really struggled with. <laughs> Such a prude. I know.
2: <laughs> Sometimes your partner just wants to have a cuddle while they might be masturbating. At that way, you are at least connecting with them. That they're not actually. We'll just go to the loo and do it, and then come back to bed. Mm-hmm. Just get it out of bed. I don't want to know about it, or just go watch a bit of porn or whatever, and then come back. You've got to let them know what's going on. That's the way we say it. It's not you. Can we just sit here and just connect and just just be with each other without having to be touching me all the time? And then you might lead to whatever, or then you might just be able to just connect like that. Or if then they want to masturbate, well, then you can just be there with them when they're doing that. And vice versa with you girls too.
1: What's your take on this, Alice? Look, I've never been particularly turned on by the old cuddle wank as a, as a concept. Um, it's just not, you know, everyone, everyone's different. It's never been something that I've, I've thought about as very, very sexy. I can definitely see how it could be a useful kind of tool, I suppose, in the early days if you've got a partner who's really got a really high libido and is kind of looking for some release that isn't just them off in the shower. Having to wank by themselves, they're still looking for that connection. I can see how it's a useful tool. But, yeah, for me in the early days, I was covered in so many other body fluids anyway, like baby wee, baby poo, baby vomit, my own breast milk everywhere, bleeding everywhere. Like, the last thing you want is someone jizzing all over you. Like, come on. Well, exactly. And my concern with the cuddle
0: wank thing would be that I'd be so tired in (laughs) the cuddle bit. (laughs) New technical term. Exactly. I'd be so tired in the cuddle bit that I'd just fall asleep. And then that would be,
1: you know. That's not, that yeah, that's not, so really that's not really. so that's not really connecting either. Romantic, so. So, <laughs> I'm going to yeah. sleep while you wank <laughs> over me. <laughs> mm, lovely. So it's lovely. Ah, moving along. Yeah. Um, what's next? Oh, we had a really
0: interesting question. I loved this question because I just, I think a lot of people will at least relate to the sheer idea of it as a concept. The question was, is there anything wrong with not having sex for two years? Mm -hmm. And, I mean, I really
1: properly crying emojied with this one. (laughs) Yeah, me too. This is clearly a mum who's just like, fuck this. My life is chaos. Get back to me when I feel like a human again. But, yeah, Pamela wasn't as amused. She thought this was a terrible idea.
2: You know how we really know that we've got to eat lunch, we've got to have, we've got to go to the loo, we've got to do this, we've got to, you know. We know these are the things we have to do to function as as, as a human being. Our sexual health and our sexual well-being is part of that and that a lot of people don't seem to realise that and and, and I call bisexual health and relationship health and well-being. That's part of why we are in a relationship. But the reality is when we're in relationship that sex is going to be part of that relationship.
1: So that's a no. Sorry, mates. Just forgetting about sex altogether is not the answer. I don't know about you, Alice, but there were
0: certainly times throughout the first year of parenthood and being a newbie parent and things that I sort of, I definitely felt like I lost myself a little bit, you know, that, you know, once you start to kind of get your head around what needs to be done, I suddenly thought, oh God, this is all I can only do now, you know. And this whole concept kind of scared the crap out of me a fair bit. I began to really wonder that if the only thing I could do now was essentially rock a baby to sleep, make some baby puree and put the washing machine on and my skill set had kind of shrunken significantly. And I found the monotony pretty intense and I absolutely loved parts of it but a lot of it sort of terrified me as well. But it also looks like maintaining your own identity is not just important as a general thing but particularly in connection with sex. Mm. And here's what
2: Pamela had to say about that. It's so important to have your own space in relationships and to, and to have your own sense of identity other than partner, yeah. husband, wife or mum or dad. And remember who we were when we met, that still is innately, I still go back to that, we change and we get older, but hopefully we allow ourselves and we, we give ourselves the pleasure of allowing ourselves to see what's out there in the world and to try different things for ourselves. Yeah. And if that just means taking yourself off every now and then to have a massage, whatever, do things, get your own identity, allow each other the time to have this space. Yeah, I think this is so important.
1: Um, We know I'm not into scheduling sex, but I am 100% into scheduling me time. Around six months after I had my daughter, I was just feeling like a husk of a person because I realised I literally never had any time where I was by myself just me in the world not being a mum or a wife or whatever. Um, so I decided I needed a regular weekly escape that was 100% non-negotiable. So every Sunday morning, I still do this now from about 9.30, I just go and do whatever the hell I feel like for a couple of hours. And I mean, mostly I do yoga. It's not terribly <laughs> exciting. But it's literally saved my sanity, I think, because I have a little bit of time to just go and be in the world as me. And to just think about things and just have having that space has made a huge difference. And it's made me like my husband so much more. It's probably made him like me a whole lot more as well because I'm less of a maniac. Yeah, and the, the yoga teacher is also really hot, which I helps with to. the libido. That helps. <laughs> it is
0: true, though. I think, I think it can be such a tricky time because you're sort of in this tunnel and you also kind of can't work out that it's all right not to be in the tunnel. And I think one of the most important things about the me time that you're describing is that it actually prevents any kind of resentment building up mm. or, you know, it just manages the resentment because I think, you know, depending who's the primary caregiver of said baby, there is a lot more pressure from mm. the the nitty gritty day to day and so I, I think yeah, I think you're right. I think the me time is, I'm with you on that, it's, it's so incredibly important.
1: What do you remember most about those first few months? Nothing. <laughs> I think I had a blackout from the trauma. No, I'm just kidding, sort of. Um, no, I remember being really, really shocked um, by what I was just saying about how suddenly my time wasn't my own. And also just completely overwhelmed by the strength of the emotions I was feeling. So obviously there's that first week or two where your hormones are going mental. But oh, then also, once, mm. even once that, that's over, just the love, the worry, the, everything was so overwhelming for me. And then obviously physically you're quite destroyed as well and you don't have the time to rest and recover properly. So it's just, it's the most intense thing I've ever experienced. What about you? I, it's a bit of a fog now which I'm
0: sure that happens for a reason. But it was crazy and amazing and it was a, it was tricky and it was all the things. And at times, you know, I felt like my partner and I were the absolute most amazing kind of great little team. I do think I sort of, probably from sheer fatigue, I lacked sort of emotional intelligence around how much we were connecting as individuals and as partners and things. And I think just so much absolute focus went into our little one, And, you know, to be honest, in hindsight, I probably, I think even from having the conversation with Pamela, I think, you know, there is something you can be a bit more proactive about having conversations with your partner probably ahead of time. And I don't necessarily think I did that. Um, But it certainly seems that communication is everything.
1: Yeah. And there's a thing you do kind of feel like, you know, you're both going to feel more like having sex if the communication's good and you're still feeling like a team, but it's difficult to think about that in the early days, anyway. Yeah, I could definitely have done with some pointers from Pam, yes. as I wasn't very good at expressing how I was feeling in a way that made it not blamey, I suppose. I got a, It's easy to get a little bit blamey about things. I feel shit and it's your yeah. fault. The crankies, just a bit shitty and cranky. Mm. A bit. Yeah. Why don't you have a womb? <laughs> Why did I have to do this? <laughs>
0: Let's see what Pamela had to say about communication.
2: It can be very awkward for couples, and that's where the bit of a chasm can come into it. And I think it's really good for couples to just say, look, we've got to accept that this is where we're at at the moment we both are going to have many, many emotions around this and when we are feeling all these things that are going on with us, we have to let each other know not to sort of sit down and say well this is how I'm feeling, you know just saying it's not a good day today I'm just feeling so drained but you know, I just want you to know I still love you there's many ways to connect with with your partner but communicating is a really big one, but it's the way we communicate, it's the way we say it you know no one has a problem communicating but it's the the connotations we say and and how we say it and we should be doing this or why why is this happening and blah 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 yeah they're questions that need to be asked but instead of saying why and asking the questions you say you know I haven't been feeling like this much lately and I've been wondering why have you noticed and then that opens up the conversation it's not just going bang 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 with questions it's being able to open up the conversation to go into spaces where then your partner might be able to go yeah well I I didn't know how to approach you because I'm feeling a bit nervous because I don't know if you would like that how do you feel about that now Alice we learnt a few very detailed tips from
0: Pamela and I, I feel like it's really important to share those. I th- in fact, I think it would be rude not
1: to. Mm, yep. Toys and lube, feathers and touch. <laughs> Let's dive
2: in. You can get water-based lube. All the new lubes that are out there now. It's not. The, it's not the gel. Don't use gel. It's like water, and it just—it's beautiful. It's like silk. You put. It, have you ever felt silk? Yeah. Mm. It's just like that, and you put it on your hands. And it doesn't dry up and it doesn't glug. And it's really good to use on... In some of them you can use on your body and then go, you know, then transfer your hands and go down to the genitals as well. And they, they don't stain. Mm. So when you're getting your baby wipes at the pharmacy, pick up a tube of lube as well. I reckon it's best to go online and get some really fabulous lubes. Quality. Pierre is a really good one. P J U R. And there's some natural paraben-free ones, so um, Intimate Earth. There's quite a few out there. Look, there, there's heaps, but you just need to know that they're paraben-free and they're, they're natural, just in case you have a reaction.
0: Listen up, ladies. No-one wants a reaction to your lube, OK? No-one wants to explain the reaction to lube or any of it, so just be, take on Pamela's advice. Alice, did you know about the multifaceted world of lube?
1: I had no idea. No, I was quite uneducated. What we actually didn't include just there as well is the fact that there's different lube for different parts of your body. Who knew? Mm, If you're doing arse play, am I allowed to say arse play? Different lube to if if you're doing other stuff, which is great. Great to know. So, yeah, but no oil. No oil-based lube. She really emphasised that fact for me as well. No coconut oil. Don't be getting lazy. No, no coconut oil, no peanut oil, silicon based only. So basically, in a nutshell, our episode today on libido, what you can do about getting back into the swing of things if you have fallen out of the swing of things, communication, cuddle wanks and lube in a nutshell. sounds like a good hat trick. So hopefully that's got you feeling a bit better about what's happening in the sack. Big thanks to Pamela Supple for being our expert this episode.
0: Our next episode is a brilliant one. It's all about core strength and midsection, and we'll be chatting with Petra Koenig, a physio.